Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. And as we continue on this morning, as we study the book of Hebrews, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to get to Jesus early and often. And let's do just that, church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be in your presence this morning. Lord, thank you for this worship that we are able to participate in. Thank you for just the individuals that you've brought into this church so we can come together collectively and worship you. We can appropriately respond to who you have revealed yourself to be. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. In 2022, Major League Baseball just had the inductees to the Baseball Hall of Fame. There was only one person that actually got inducted this year. Kind of a letdown for for some fanatics of baseball. The reason being is because the class coming in was actually the class that is known to have participated in the steroid era. A lot of names were left out because of that very fact. See, the individuals who vote voted because they want truth, honesty, and integrity in the game. Now, I don't know if these individuals are believers in Jesus or not, but even those who are not want honesty in life. They want integrity. They want truth. And then when they see somebody cheating, they're going to say, ah, 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 no. Brothers and sisters, as Christians, we adhere to God's truth. Although Hebrews 11, we've been going through this book, we've been observing much as we've gone through this book. Of course, we're Observing just that, we're seeing those men and women of faith because they know the honesty of the Lord, they know the integrity of Christ, they know His truth. And when you see these individuals in this book, we could put them into a category, not the Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Faith. Hebrews 11 is a chapter known for just that. It is known as the chapter that holds the names of those in the Hebrew hall of faith. We're talking about Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Jacob. Church, those in the Hebrew hall of fame are our examples of how faith overcomes this sinful world. When you adhere to the truth of God's promise, that's exactly what happens. Those in the Hebrew hall of faith had faith in God's promise. We as believers have faith in that promise too. The only difference is we've now seen that promise come to fruition in Jesus Christ. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. Faith over the world. I didn't say over the hill. Faith over the world. We're going to be in Hebrews. We're closing out chapter 11 this 
Hebrew Hall of Faith chapter that was started by Pastor Jared a few weeks ago. We're going to be looking at verses 23 through 40 this morning. We're going to be encouraged by the faithful, all the faithful throughout Jewish history. We're going to observe how they had faith over the world. They had the type of faith that actually conquers sin. So let's get into this text this morning. We have quite a few verses to go through, starting with verse 23 and ending in verse 40. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For what time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness because mighty in war put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised." Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Amen. As we look at these verses this morning, we want to put them into one sentence. We want to simplify every verse this morning. And that sentence will state this. God's faithful look beyond this world for their reward. It's really just that simple. God's faithful Look beyond this world for their reward. It's pretty clear from our text this morning that Moses was a man of faith. And see, Moses' faith actually began with his parents. Remember what happened? He was placed in the basket, placed in the reed so Pharaoh's daughter could find him. His parents purposefully gave him up, but that started in faith. See, Moses' faith that started there actually led to him refusing Egyptian privilege 
It led to him refusing sinful pleasure. His faith led him out of Egypt. He wasn't afraid of the king's edict. His faith provided him the necessary strength and lack of fear necessary for the Passover. He trusted in God's promise. Moses, in the Hebrew Hall of Faith, his credentials are just briefly highlighted here in our text this morning, especially these brief highlights in verses 23 through 28. See, now the text reveals this. It says, Moses was hidden, as we've already said, for three months by his parents because they saw that he was beautiful. What parent doesn't think that their child is beautiful? All parents think that their child's beautiful. It wasn't like Moses' parents looked at him and said, man, look at this handsome devil. We're going to put him in a basket by some reeds. That's not why they did it. Of course, they thought he was beautiful. I don't believe this is a reference to outward beauty. This is actually a reference to Moses' parents recognizing God's divine favor on his life. See where the faith started? They saw what God was doing with Moses, and they had the faith to leave him in the reeds for Pharaoh's daughter to find him. Pharaoh had just ordered an edict. The Hebrews were beginning to outnumber the Egyptians. So what did Pharaoh say? The firstborn male among the Hebrews should be slain. Moses was left in a basket among the reeds for Pharaoh's daughter for this very purpose. Since Moses knew of his divine favor, he refused to be Pharaoh's step-grandson. We see that in this text this morning in these verses. He climbed out of the lap of luxury. That's exactly where he was. As he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter, he became Pharaoh's step-grandson. The Pharaoh's grandson. Talk about a life of pleasure. Talk about living in the lap of luxury. And what did he choose to do? Climb down from that lap. Why? Because of his faith. Choosing rather to be, as it says, mistreated with the people of God than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Hmm. How often do we choose to jump out of the lap of luxury in order to purposely be mistreated? Moses would rather suffer with his people. Church, think about that. Moses would have rather suffered with his people. When we see something like that in the Bible, what we see is a foreshadow of Jesus. Because it's exactly what Jesus did. That's what God did himself. God jumped out of the lap of luxury and came to this earth as Jesus to suffer, to be mistreated. He was able to do so because Moses looked beyond this world for his reward. His faith in the promise from God allowed him to look beyond his life in this world now for his reward to come in the future. And we know this is true because it says he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Now, one of the things that we must do with the Bible is always allow the Bible to interpret itself. So when we see that being written by the author of Hebrews, 
We go to John 5, 46. I'll just read this for you and hear what Jesus himself has to say. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, for if you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. That's how we know that this is a foreshadow. This is a precursor to the work of Christ. Brothers and sisters, how are you doing personally when you take an honest self-evaluation of yourself? How are you doing personally looking beyond this world for your reward? I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we get caught up, don't we? It's very easy to get caught up. We need to allow our faith to motivate us to look for our reward to come and not expect it right now. We have a much clearer picture than Moses ever did. So we actually have an advantage. Ephesians 3 tells us that mystery of the gospel has already been revealed. That's where we are. We're on that side of the cross. We know that through Jesus, the mystery of the entire gospel, the good news for hell-deserving sinners through the personal work of Jesus, that salvation we receive because of our faith in Him, that has been revealed to us in its entirety. I believe that it could be argued that all Americans, all Westerners, I don't care what economic class you find yourself in, it doesn't matter. Upper class, middle class, lower class, it does not matter. If you are a Westerner, if you are an American, I believe that it could be argued that we all are sitting in the lap of luxury. Like Christ, and in faith, we need to climb down out of that lap, just like, just like we saw Moses do. Moses exercised faith over the world. We know that this is true. That's the title of our sermon this morning. We know that's true because it says, By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. When the next pandemic comes... Are we going to have faith over the world? That's my question. That's a question I'm asking myself. Now, think about what I just said. I didn't say if, I said when. When the next pandemic comes, are we going to have faith over the world? After all, I think it's safe to say that Egypt, if we actually went back and spoke to Pharaoh... I think he would have taken our little pandemic over the plagues any day of the week. Give me the pandemic, I'll give you the plagues. Moses remained faithful to God and kept the Passover. The angel of death passed over those who smeared blood on their doors, lentinol. He had faith in that promise. Do you hear a word that's repeated over and over again? That's another Bible study method. Not only do we allow the Bible to interpret itself, but we also look for things that are repeated. The word faith is repeated over and over and over again in chapter 11 of Hebrews, and we must pay attention. Church, according to the gospel, faith conquers death. That's evidenced in the Passover. The faith that Moses had in the promise of God spared some lives. And really, when we look at these first set of verses, we can say this in one sentence. 
Moses was fearless because he had the type of faith that conquers death. Moses was fearless because he has the type of faith that conquers death. Now think about that when we talk about this world and looking for our reward to come. Because after all, we're also saying this of all of our verses this morning. Our main idea, that one sentence that defines it all, states this, God's faithful look beyond this world for their reward. If you're looking for your reward to be here on this earth, then your life to come will not be pleasant. If you're looking for your reward to come, but not in this life, then your next life will be amazing because you will be in eternity with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to show you what a mustard seed looks like. That's it. A little old mustard seed. I want to go to Matthew 17, 20. These verses won't be on your screen. I'm just going to read them for you. These are Jesus' words. He said this. He said, Because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. This week, with this in mind, we had our life group in our home and we were watching the American gospel, Christ alone. And there was an individual that was being interviewed and he made this comment and it was just amazing because I totally didn't even think about this. But he referenced the mustard seed and he said, a little faith can move a big God. And that's what we have to remember. Just a little bit of faith on our end can move a big God. Jewish history has examples of such faith. They crossed the Red Sea. They brought down the walls of Jericho. Rahab and the spies. They conquered kingdoms they had no business conquering. They shut the mouths of lions. They defeated foreign armies. Why? Because of their faith. And we observe this beginning in verse 29. We know that the nation of Israel had a tremendous amount of faith. After all, it took a tremendous amount of faith to cross the Red Sea. Faith is actually what parted the Red Sea. A lack of faith is what brought the Red Sea crashing down. Those walls of water crashed down upon the Egyptians because the Egyptians had no faith. All throughout Jewish history, we encounter examples of faith. Joshua led the Israelites to circle Jericho, and they marched, and faith alone toppled the walls. The miracles fueled by faith found the ears of a prostitute named Rahab. In Joshua 2, 10, 11, and 12, I want to read what she had to say. She said, For we have heard of how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what did what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Or, whom you devoted to destruction? And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. 
Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign. Rahab, in her faith, welcomed the spies as friends and not foes because of her faith. The scarlet rope that she eventually let down saved her family Due to her faith, the Israelites did not take her life. And just like Moses, Rahab was fearless. She was fearless because she had the type of faith that conquers death. Verse 32 names the faithful by name. Verse 33 reveals the spoils of having faith. Look at verse 33. Kings and kingdoms get conquered. Justice prevails. And spiritual promises are received. I just want to back up for one second. Justice prevails. You don't need anything before the word justice. Justice is justice. This world likes to place things before justice. Social justice, racial justice, whatever it may be. Church. We need to stop looking for the reward in this life now. Anybody who promises you a fix is not, not adhering to the gospel according to Jesus Christ. Especially if that fix is going to happen now. God has allowed us to have faith in the fix, in the promise that's going to come, that we know will come because of what Jesus has already done here on earth through his death, burial, and resurrection. Faith makes things happen that don't seem like they should ever have any business of happening. Just like Jesus said with this mustard seed analogy, In Joshua 8, we see God deliver powerful kings into the weaker hands of the Israelites. Who do you think, or what do you think saved Daniel and the lions did? Because it says it shuts the mouth of lions. It was Daniel's faith. Faith saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that fiery furnace. Faith spared David from the sword of Saul. Faith allowed David, as it says, to be made strong out of weakness and become mighty in war to put foreign armies to flight. Verse 35 tells us that faith led to Elisha raising the Shunammite's son back from the dead. The woman had enough faith. In the text it tells us enough faith in the man of God, Elisha, to do so. Faith is repeated over and over and over again, and we better pay attention. The faithful throughout Jewish history also persevered with endurance when they suffered, as it says, mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. Brothers and sisters, faith will do the same for you when the same happens to you. Think about that. Suffered mocking 
and flogging and even chains and imprisonment, your faith will carry you through when the same happens to you. Currently, though, we're still all in the lap of luxury. But that clock is ticking. Tick, tick, tick. Nothing remains the same forever. Some of you have heard me say this, but I'm going to go on record even more. I'm going to, I'm going to stand behind this statement. I'm going to guarantee you right now my mother's not going to like hearing this. Sorry, Mom. I don't know what mother would. But if our current cultural and political climate continues on the same trajectory, those who faithfully preach and teach the gospel according to Jesus Christ will either be killed or imprisoned. In fact, I would go as far as saying in the next, who knows, 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, if a church is still allowed to gather and meet, they're probably not preaching Christ and Him crucified. The gospel is highly offensive. Now, we've talked about the Hebrew Hall of Faith. I have certain men who I respect as preachers and teachers of God's Word, men who have been doing it for 40 or 50 years. My, my go-to men to listen to when it comes to preaching God's word besides the men here in this congregation. One individual who I really respect recently had a call on January 16th for all the pastors in our country or really throughout the world to preach a sermon on gender. His sermon basically was about how there's only two genders, male and female, XXXY, YouTube pulled his sermon down because they considered it hate speech. The same hate speech that they claim we find here is going to find me either dead or in jail. Well, that's if I remain faithful. Church, we need to encourage one another to remain faithful. We have absolutely no idea what's coming, but we do know, we do know that those who have gone before us have suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. Our little prayer should be then, with that being said, Lord, give me the faith of a little old mustard seed because that's exactly what it's going to take to persevere with endurance. So I think with all that being said, we could say this about the Israelites. The Israelites were fearless because they had the type of faith that conquers death. The Israelites were fearless because they had the type of faith that conquers death. Do you see a theme here? Death has already been conquered. Kill me. Throw me in prison because I have faith in the promise. We should have faith in the promise. We need to remind one another of our faith in the promise. And there's going to be times where we act like we don't have faith in the promise. 
But that's when we rally around one another and we think about our sermon from last week in Matthew, when we took a break from Hebrews, Matthew 18. That's when we hold each other accountable and say, look, brother, look, sister, right now you're missing it. We all need one another. We are stronger when we are united. Again, our main idea this morning states this, God's faithful looks beyond this world for their reward. Again, this is actually a reminder from Pastor Jared's sermon a few weeks ago. Hebrews 11.1, he preached the beginning part of chapter 11 for us. But let's just revisit the biblical definition of faith. The biblical definition of faith states, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Brothers and sisters, prior to and now during the church age, it's not about now, like right now, as much as it is about what's to come. That's why we can say faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And we're encouraged by this truth in verse 39. So as we wrap up this morning, I'm going to invite Joe to come up here with me. The church age understands what was promised. See, because we're on that side of the cross. We understand what was promised. These faithful Israelites awaited their Savior. Salvation has been secured through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Old Testament saints and New Testament saints are both saved by God's promise. We're both saved by our faith in what God promised. The Old Testament saints were saved by their faith in God's promise of bringing a Messiah. Now we know that the Messiah has come. We know about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So now we are saved by our faith in the promise of eternal life because of our faith in the person and work of Jesus. Hebrews 11.1 is the biblical definition of faith. Old Testament saints and New Testament saints alike have faith in, as it says, the assurance of things hoped for. Brothers and sisters, God's redemption through the revelation of Jesus is just that. It is the things hoped for. Our eternal inheritance. Our eternal inheritance is the same things hoped for by the Israelites. All of God's faithful from Jew to Gentile will be gathered together under Jesus Christ. And we know that this is true from the first chapter of Ephesians. I'm going to read to you verses 9 and 10. Making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things to come. Church, the fullness of time has yet to come. And until it does, things may just get worse. I'm not saying that they're going to. I don't have a crystal ball. But all I can judge this on is what's happened in the past. Sometimes history repeats itself, but not always. But it definitely does rhyme. Let us practice our faith until this time is up, though. Let us live like those from the Hebrew hall of faith. 
Let's muster the faith of a minuscule mustard seed. In the words of the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, I believe he says it best when he says this, very simple, very eloquent. True faith has the courage to count on salvation. True faith has the courage to count on salvation. What that means is, if somebody had your life in, your, in their hands, your heartbeat wouldn't elevate because you have the courage to count on your reward to come. You have the faith to count on God's promise. Salvation is received by God's gracious gift of faith. We can never forget that. It is nothing that we have done. It is holy solely contingent on everything he has done, exactly everything that Jesus has done. So brothers and sisters, it takes great courage to rely on someone other than yourself. With that being said, let's have the courage to boldly proclaim our faith in Jesus Christ. Our reward cannot be found on this earth Our reward can only be found in our life to come, which is why we can boldly proclaim faith over the world. Which is really like saying this. The past work of Jesus has made the future more desirable than the present. The past work of Jesus has made the future more desirable than the present. Again, our main, our first point actually stated this this morning. We said that Moses was fearless because he had the type of faith that conquers sin. We also said that the Israelites were fearless because they had the type of faith that conquers sin. And finally, we said this about these verses this morning. God's faithful look beyond this world for their reward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your work in the past, in the present, and in the future. Lord, as a church, I pray that we can encourage each other in our faith in that work. Thank you so much for all that you have done. We appreciate you. We love you. Help us to boldly proclaim you and you crucified. Help us share your promise with the rest of the world. And we pray all of this in Christ's name who makes this possible. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.